Welcome to God Signs, featuring J.R. Bucklew, the President and CEO of Deaf Bible Society of Arlington, Texas. Their mission is to see the Bible translated into all the signed languages of the world so that deaf people will come to know and love Jesus. I'm Marshall Lawrence. So why do we have so many different languages anyway? Well, in the Bible, in the book of Genesis, there's an amazing story that's come to be known as the Tower of Babel. At the beginning of the chapter, all the people in the world spoke the same language, but they were proud and vain, and they set out to build a great tower to reach all the way to the heavens to proclaim their dominance over everything. But humans aren't meant to be gods. So the Lord destroyed the tower and confused the language. After that, some would speak one way and others a different way. Unable to communicate clearly with one another now, the people scattered over the face of the earth. And that's how the Bible explains the origin of the different languages and cultures of humankind. But even within the same language group, things can get a little confusing. Here's J.R. Bucklew to explore that. J.R.? Have you ever had a conversation with someone who parenthetically speaks your language uh, but it's just like they have no idea what you're trying to tell them. You feel like you're just not communicating. You're saying words that they're supposed to know and they're supposed to relate to, and and you're both you 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 know you both live in the same area. You both engage with the same people. You shop at the same places. You use the same language, but something's not connecting. You know, it really is quite amazing this challenge of communication. But as we pull back and we think of it in the context of just language, it's truly amazing. Not only how languages develop, but even how many languages there are. There's been a lot of research done on spoken languages. That's why we're able to say today that there there is an estimated uh, over 7,000 spoken languages. And then you have dialects, and then you have accents, and you have all these different ways within each language group that people communicate. But, you know, I can't help but wonder, as, as you may know, that um, as a child of deaf adults growing up in the deaf community, um, what about sign language? What about sign languages? What do we really know about them? How many sign languages really do exist in the world today? How many deaf people communicate in those sign languages? Are deaf people the only one that the only ones that communicate in those sign languages? I mean, do I count? As a child of deaf adults, do I count when we think about American sign language users? I mean, it was my first language when I was born, I had two deaf parents, and that was it. That was the mode of communication in my home. What 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 does that mean for me? Well, well, where are the numbers? What does the research tell us? And then, um, what are the differences between those sign languages? What are the similarities between those sign languages? Are there similarities between those sign languages and the spoken languages in the same geographic area? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, I'm sure many of you have just assumed that sign language was universal, that there was just one sign language. And I get that all the time. You know, people just think, you know, I well, I just have no idea. And then you try to tell them that, you know, there seems to be, research has shown that there could be as many as 400 sign languages, if not more, around the world. 
though we don't have enough information to say exactly what that means for all of those languages, most people were just surprised to know that there was more than one. Did you know that there was more than one? And it makes sense, right, in how people come together, how languages develop, how languages evolve. It makes sense that there would be more than one sign language. It's just something that most people never think about. But what we can agree on, what most people do agree on, is that communication is just a basic human need. I mean, it's, it's more than a need. It's just, it's just basic instinct. It's just basic life operations. It just happens. And language is the primary way in which we communicate. But its expression is different, especially between the hearing and deaf communities. Spoken languages are expressed through oral and aural means, which you know means that it's spoken with the voice, it's heard by the ears, while sign languages are expressed gesturally, visually, signed with the hands and face, and, and seen by the eyes. It's very different in how communication is expressed between those two language groups. But sign languages are not derivatives, nor are they simplified, if you will, simplified versions of a spoken language. They contain structures and processes different from what spoken languages use. A good example of this would be the American Sign Language. I'm not sure if you knew this, but American Sign Language is not English. It's not the English language with gestures that were created to communicate English visually. This isn't sophisticated charades. I mean, American Sign Language is its own distinct language. And some people say, well, yeah, well, these signs are changing and this is moving into the, well, yeah, that happens all the time. Languages evolve, languages change. How we, you know, how we use slang changes all the time. Words that you wouldn't dare speak near your pastor 50 years ago are spoken freely from the pulpit today. The meaning, the weight, the, 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 Language has changed. Well, that's another evidence that sign languages are languages, is that they change, they evolve independent from how the spoken languages around them are evolving and changing. When watching a person sign, you may think, you know, wow, they're so expressive. But that's truly part of the language. They're not being um, overly expressive. They're not being overly dramatic. It's it's, it's part of the way the language is expressed. It's part of how communication is expressed in sign language. I mean, as we, you know, going back to the previous examples of English and American sign language, just as the tone of your voice rises and falls when you ask a question in English, when you might say, is it though, versus it is though. Yeah. How our tone changes provides meaning to what we're saying. In American Sign Language, you see the same thing happens when your eyebrow, your eyebrows raise, your face changes, your mouth opens wide, your body, you, know, you swell up, your hands get really wide, or you kind of go into more of a, you know, a fetal position. You come into yourself, your face lightens up. Just the same. There's these, if you will, sort of tonal expressions in American Sign Language, but they're not tonal. They're they're visual. It's part of the language. As we said, you know, the world contains over 7,000 spoken languages and 400 sign languages, 
all uniquely different from one another, made up of their own set of grammar rules, usage, structures. Linguists and anthropologists have been studying spoken language languages for over 2,000 years, whereas sign language research is still being pioneered. Within the last few decades, that there's been real, real deep efforts to research sign language, to actually provide good documentation on sign languages. And that's why, you, you know, at the Deaf Bible Society, they, we have a special team that's been dedicated to finding and researching the world's sign languages. If it's our mission to provide God's word in every sign language, certainly we need to know what every sign language is. And certainly you, as the body, you as the church, need to know what every sign language is. I mean, that it, that's part of the Great Commission, isn't it? I mean, that every language, every nation, every tribe, every tongue, that every language, certainly that includes every sign language. Every language in the world, whether spoken or signed, is unique. It's constantly evolving. You know, I think about spoken English and spoken Japanese and how drastically different they are in the same way that American Sign Language and Japanese Sign Language are drastically different. They're just totally different languages. And Though a group of languages are sometimes connected through language families, you know, which shows similarities. You, you've done this, right? You've sat around with your family, or uh, I, I can't help but think of my big fat Greek wedding, right? Where every word is a Greek word, right? We're going to show you how every word is a Greek word. And if you don't know that reference, well, uh, I, I feel really bad because it's a really funny funny illustration of how even in our English language where we can see where the, well, these words have Greek influence and Italian influence and French influence, well, that happens in sign languages. We see connection in American sign language to its influence or to, its, well, to, to the French signing system where a lot of deaf educators came out of when they brought deaf education to the United States. So this concept is compatible with sign languages, but... You know, I probably, I'm probably not the best person to continue down this path of talking about linguistics and language research and data. And so to really help us better think through these tough questions, joining us today is Beth Cook, who works with the Institute for Sign Language Engagement and Training at the Deaf Bible Society as their linguistics research lead. Welcome, Beth. Hi, I'm happy to be here. So linguistics research just sounds complicated. <laughs> I can only imagine what that means as a, as, a, as a profession, as someone that does this kind of work. But for you, um, who are you? What is your background and what excites you about linguistics research? Yeah, yeah. Great. So I'll tell you a little bit about myself first. Uh, my name is Beth. I work for Deaf Bible Society. Uh, so I can hear, and I grew up interacting with other people who can hear as well. I always loved reading books, and I just had a passion for English. And I remember when I was in school, when you were in middle school, did you ever have to diagram sentences? Yeah. Uh, where you have to draw the different lines and put different parts of the sentence on the lines. I loved that. It seems like you enjoyed that a lot more than I did, though. Oh, I absolutely loved it. I was the only person in the class that enjoyed diagramming sentences. So I would go through books and I would try to find the longest sentence that I could in order to see if I could figure out how to diagram it. So I've always been interested in uh, linguistics and language structure. When you first started engaging with American Sign Language, though, did you see the natural difference in the language structure? 
Uh, so I grew up in Texas and I learned American Sign Language there interacting with the deaf community. And one thing that was interesting to me is that the linguistic structure of English is very different than the linguistic structure of ASL. You just didn't quite know what, what it was. I think when I first started learning, I saw that there was a difference. I knew the traits of English and I knew that ASL was different, but it was difficult for me to put words to exactly what it was that was different. If you had asked me, what's the difference at that time? I wouldn't have been able to pin it down. Right. So I eventually went on to do my MA in linguistics and I gained a deeper understanding of the difference between the structures of ASL, English, and other languages. Like you were mentioning earlier, uh, Japanese sign language even, there are not a whole lot of similarities between that and spoken Japanese. So after I got my MA, I began working in international research, working with deaf communities, um, supporting research of different deaf community sign languages. Um, so I've been doing that since 2013. And since I joined Deaf Bible Society, I've been focused on gathering and cataloging different information about the sign languages of the world to help um, build a bigger picture of future need for Bible translation, things like that. So I want to ask, when people find out what you do, not even just that you do linguistics research, but it has to do with sign language, are you asked if there's just one universal sign language? Do you get that question? People don't typically ask whether there's one universal sign language. They assume that there is. They say, oh, that must be so convenient. You can travel anywhere in the world and you automatically know the language. So they so they actually tell you that they, they, it's not even a question. It's just they're stating it almost as fact that there's one universal sign language and your job must be easy because you can just fly to any other country and sign with deaf people. That's Yes, they tell me. They don't ask me. They tell me. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's really great. Right, right. Yeah, they don't, they don't quite agree with that approach, do they? Yeah, that's exactly right. And in the course of conversation, I'll bring up that there are several different sign languages around the world. And their, their response is usually, oh, that's so inconvenient. They should all start using one sign language. I said, yes, that would be easier. I think it would also be uh, easier if everybody in the world would go ahead and use Mandarin Chinese as their first language instead of English. It would be much better if we all used one language, right? And so then they start to realize things. I have not yet found a person that said, okay, fine, I'll stop using English and I'll start using Mandarin Chinese instead. To date, haven't found that person. Why do you think people make this assumption? Why do you think people assume there's one universal sign language? Hmm. Well, I think that I need to explain a couple of concepts to kind of get at the root of that. Um, the first concept would be iconicity. English has examples of iconicity. For example, if somebody will change their voice to match a concept they're expressing. So if somebody were to say in English, I waited a long time, they're drawing out that vowel the same way that they're talking about the time being drawn out. So there's an analogy between the actual real life thing and how it is produced in the voice. ASL has features like that as well. For example, the ASL sign for a tree looks a little bit like a tree. So people see that iconicity and assume that that means that sign language is simply gestural and then make the assumption that those gestures are the same internationally. So I think that could be one reason why. That, that makes sense because that, that's, you know, growing up, that felt like what people assumed even, even about my household and, you know, when we would... I mean, they, 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 they saw that there was that visual component to communication, but there was no connection 
it, that nothing was connecting for them to the fact that there was structure, like you were just saying. Um, well, I wonder, what are some key differences or maybe similarities between spoken and sign languages? While they're not the same thing, and as we said earlier, American Sign Language is not gestures created for the English language. Are there similarities, though, between how people communicate in sign language and how people communicate in spoken language? Are there connections to those, between those two things? Yes, absolutely, yes. One of the benefits of researching sign languages and spoken languages is that it helps people figure out what the core of human language capacity is. What does language really mean? In the past, people assumed that several things were essential for language that now that people are studying sign language, we really realize that those things were more about spoken languages. Um, so that's one benefit of seeing the parallels. Mm. One example um, of similarities is that the brain processes both learning new signed vocabulary and learning new spoken vocabulary in the same way. They do studies where they see what parts of people's brains are most active when they're learning a new sign versus learning a new spoken word. There's another uh, example of similarities in structure between the two languages. There's patterning on many different levels. Each sign has structure in the same way that one spoken word would have internal structure. Right. So I see many parallels between sign language and spoken language linguistics. Uh, in a sense, we'd say that sign language linguistics is based somewhat on spoken language linguistics. Uh, but the, at the same time, there are often differences. As you already mentioned, spoken languages focus on speech and hearing, and sign languages focus on visual, gestural modality. Uh, spoken languages tend to have more of a sequential ordering. Um, they'll string one word after another word in order to make meaning. Sign languages do that as well, but there's also a lot of different things happening at the same time in one sign. So if you have the sign for drive, you can sign it one way, um, and it means to drive carefully. If you do it another way, it means to drive carelessly. Even though you're signing the same thing on your hands, what you're doing on your face impacts the meaning of the sign. In spoken languages, we have something a little bit like this. Like in Mandarin Chinese, you have tone, rising tone, falling tone, that's happening at the same time as the word. In, in the language, it's when you're communicating. Right, in spoken Chinese. In spoken Chinese, yeah. So each word that's spoken has to use the appropriate corresponding tone. So for example, the word for ma, depending on the tone, um, really impacts the meaning and sign languages are similar in that way where you have things happening at the same time that impact the overall meaning. So there's a lot of value to seeing the research. Oh, absolutely. Well, how, I wonder how difficult is it to find and obtain information on sign languages and deaf communities around the world? Hmm. Well, it really depends on what specific question you're wanting to investigate. For example, if a person wanted more information about American Sign Language, it's pretty easy to find online information about American Sign Language's structure. And there's more information available in English than research articles in ASL, for example. But if somebody were interested in a North African Sign Language, there's really scarce information about several of those other sign languages, and it's hard to find. There are some sign languages in Europe, um, in Japanese Sign Language, other ones that have had a lot of research done about them. Um, including ASL. 
but then several other sign languages in the global south are underrepresented in the research and there's less available about them. But we're seeing an increase in that sort of research, which is good, but we want to see even more. What do you think are still some things that uh, contribute to, to the difficulties? Yeah, that's a good question. Hmm. I think one thing would be that for each of the sign languages that have been researched, it's important to have deaf linguists who are able to research their own sign languages. And that there are difficulties in training and raising up more deaf linguists to be able to publish information about their own sign languages. So there's unequal access to educational opportunities for deaf linguists. Um, another potential obstacle would be the visibility of different sign languages. People are more interested in ASL. They're paying attention. Right, exactly, they're paying attention. But if there's a sign language that's used on an island country that doesn't get as much attention, people are less interested in paying attention to it from a research perspective. To whatever's really catching their eye. Right, whatever, whatever's appealing. Time. I remember um, a few years ago, the, the you know sign language caught quite a buzz specifically South African Sign Language. Right. If you remember, um, uh, I, I don't know how many of you listening remember Nelson Mandela's funeral. There was this guy that they had up on the stage, and he's supposed to be the South African Sign Language interpreter. And he was there all day, and they, I mean, next to dignitaries, next to President Obama. Right, right. Three feet away from the President of the United States of America, there's this guy in it turns out he wasn't even signing South African Sign Language. He was just making things up. Mm -hmm. And it made headlines. And then all of a sudden, uh, uh, Jimmy Kimmel did a whole sketch on sign language. And then all of a sudden, the sign language rap battles came out. And it was like this heightened sense. Of, so I understand what you're saying. It's like the, the, the challenge is people aren't paying attention or they're not really concerned about these things. So there's not really a push to understand those things. Right. But yet, things like that certainly wake people up, and they're they're paying more attention to it. Well, so you and your team, and you're working to bring all this data together. How is this information currently being gathered, uh, shared, and used? Yeah, yeah, good question. So three main things about that: how we gather data. Uh, we do have a team, myself, and also another woman on our team, Phoebe Tay. Uh, we work together to comb. Uh, internet resources, libraries, network with other universities that are doing research in other places, Gallaudet, other universities, to find the most recently published information to be able to collect. Then we document all of the information that we know is available. Once we've gathered things, then we clearly tag those references so that if somebody says, I'm curious what's going on with a certain sign language, we have everything that's published already tagged appropriately so they can find the answers they are looking for. Um, we also do video calls with deaf communities in different countries, getting more information about their sign language. For example, if there's very scant linguistic research for one country, it might be appropriate to have a video call with the leader of the deaf association or other deaf leaders in that community to gather more basic information. Um, but there's also times when it's appropriate for us to fly to the other countries um, and meet with deaf community leaders and find more information that way. And then all this information is being published somewhere. Right. So people can access, and that, that tool is called 
Avidets. Why avidets? What is that? Avidets, right. Yeah, yeah, that is a good question. So there was a man who used to be the president of the Deaf Association in America. He was a German man, and he moved to the U.S., and his last name was Vedditz. Right. He's very famous. You might have seen the black and white videos of him signing an ASL. That was in 1913, over 100 years ago. Yeah, it's a very famous clip. Yeah. That man is really inspirational to us because he talks about how God created each sign language. The reason that we have a variety of sign languages is because it's a blessing from God for deaf people. So that's where uh, we derived the name Avedits. Um, and then we have a sign for Avedits that's related to the concept of research. So once we gather the information and we tag it appropriately, we use Avedits to be able to distribute um, information to people. It'll be released soon. Well, it's amazing to know that all of this work is happening to bring more understanding and awareness the deaf communities all over the world and the sign languages that are used around the world. Uh, to think about, Beth, what you said, George Vedettes and his his quote over a hundred years ago that's captured on film of saying that God's most noble gift to deaf people is sign language. And so I'm, I'm really excited about what you're sharing with us, that Avedettes will be able to uh, share that with the world so they can see God's beautiful gift to deaf people and see the sign languages that are being used around the world. Thank you, Beth, for joining us today. Sure, yeah. Incredible. To translate the Bible into a new language, all the layers of research, training, evaluation, testing, revising, documenting, it's mind-boggling. And yet, not one step can be overlooked because the final version must be as clear and as accurate to the thoughts of God himself as it is possible for humans to make it. So please visit GodSigns.com and see how you can become a part of this incredibly important work. The souls of deaf people around the world are starving to death because they don't yet have the Word of God in their thought language. Your gift and your prayers can help change that. Thank you. And now here's JR with some final thoughts. As we think through what this means, the sin of man, the disbursement of languages. We know later that redemption is in Christ because then one day there is a people before the throne in every language, from every tribe, from every nation, right? So language, every tongue, they will be there. There is a plan for redemption and we know that that means for deaf people too. And so today, as we end our program, I encourage you to think about what you may not have known. Think about, did you really, did you think that there was one sign language? And to realize that there are over 400 around the world. The researchers need a lot of prayer because everything they do contributes to us being able to work faster, to create better quality translations, to provide better training to deaf leaders, so that his word can be made available in every sign language. Prayer is really important in this movement. So I encourage you, please, please, please today, go to godsigns.com slash avidetz, A-V-E-D-I-T-Z, and learn more. Learn more about what it is that this team is doing and how God is using people all over the world to show deaf people this noble gift that he has given them. 
sign language and that that be the medium and how he's making his name great among them. In every sign language, he signs until all the deaf have seen. Thank you, JR. And thanks to Beth for a fascinating look at Bible translation for the deaf communities around the world. Speaking of the deaf, did you know that this entire program is available in American Sign Language at GodSigns.com? Well, it is. So invite your deaf friends and family to listen and watch at GodSigns.com. Bless you. He has given them sign language and that that be the medium and how he's making his name great among them. In every sign language, he signs until all the deaf have seen. Thank you, JR. And thanks to Beth for a fascinating look at Bible translation for the deaf communities around the world. Speaking of the deaf, did you know that this entire program is available in American Sign Language at GodSigns.com? Well, it is. So invite your deaf friends and family to listen and watch at GodSigns.com. Bless you.